Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners. Our weekly breakdown of all the action happening across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Thursdays, we talk about all the men's action that's happening across the country. And with another week in the books, you know what I'm going to say, folks. Another jam-packed schedule on this show for us to break down all the results that happened. Of course, those of you tuning in live on YouTube will notice we are missing a member of our college tennis holy trinity tonight, Matt the Cracks to Koyak, doing what he loves most, going to watch his Carolina Hurricanes play in some hockey action as such, or NHL action. That just felt unnatural coming out of my mouth. Point being, no matter at the crack for us on tonight's show. Nevertheless, we know we have to carry on. Too many good results for us to break down. Too many good results for us to preview over the upcoming days as well. And if you are going to attempt to break down all of the action that happens across the country, you better have some help along the way. And thankfully, I do here on this show. Joining me tonight on the podcast, as he so frequently does, is a man we refer to as the professor, the snitch, the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions way, way too far frequently in favor of the UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. It's post-prime Greg Maddox, our friend Chris Halioris. Chris, welcome back to the show. Matty left us. He's ditched us. I think he's just done with us. He did. And I mean, I say this in all, all, all jokes because I don't want anyone to take it seriously, Gruskin. But I mean, you without the crack, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be tough. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. It's definitely me. It's not him. Like, you know, if he's going to give the reasons, he's going to be like, Ruskin, it's you. I just, it's a lot. Um, but no, nevertheless, Maddie, a busy man. And so unfortunately, he will not be joining us tonight. Nevertheless, he always wants to offer his thoughts. And I'll just say him at the top. Go Bears. Baylor beats TCU. That was really cool. He thinks they're going to beat him again this weekend. So there's your Maddie update. Uh, obviously, I know he'd want us to get that in. But again, on today's show, we got plenty to talk about. Obviously, I know Scotty B is here on the chat. And to all of you tuning in live, welcome back. We always appreciate having you. Of course, Scotty B will talk about the Baylor Bears knocking off TCU. We also want to talk about the University of Virginia, a team we said absolutely possessed the talent to win a national championship at the start of the season. Now, it was a slow start to their year, but they have come roaring back. Massive victory over Wake Forest this weekend, and they have run the gauntlet thus far, undefeated in ACC play. Are the who's back? That's something we're going to discuss on today's show. We're also going to talk about Tennessee again, because certainly, yes, they are down Johannes Monday, and they've had multiple injuries throughout the course of this season. Nevertheless, they have kept themselves on a top eight trajectory, which is ultimately all that matters as we head towards postseason play. I want to break down Tennessee's dramatic 4-3 come-from-behind victory over Texas A&M, talk about where the volunteers go from here, of course. We also want to not just talk about the top, but as we inch closer and closer to May, that race for the top 16 becomes that much more pressing. And I want to give an update on some of the top contenders to earn those final top 16 spots. How did they fare over the past weekend of play, whether it was conference action, non-conference action? Of course, it is primarily conference action the rest of the way. We'll get into all of that on today's show. We'll offer our top 16 rankings. We'll talk about the cross-offs. We'll preview the week ahead and so much more. Of course, the reason we're able to do that week in, week out here on The Deciding Point is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, the support we get from our Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision and Tournament. You all know Swing Vision is artificial intelligence for your tennis. Simply put, There are more efficient ways now to get better at the game we love. Swing Vision is one of those ways. All you got to do is download an app out your phone. You're going to have all this information at the palm of your hand, whether it's automated line calling, whether it's recording video of you on court, breaking down that video for you. You can learn all of that and so much more with our friends at Swing Vision. Of course, you can learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to this show. When you inevitably do sign up, use our promo code CRACK20. You'll get $20 off plus a free 14-day pro trial. Again, thank you to Swing Vision for joining the team. Sincerely, folks, we wouldn't say it if we didn't believe it. It is the future of tennis. Download that Swing Vision app today. Of course, a huge shout-out, as always, to our friends at Turna as well. You all know the deal. It's synonymous with Tennis grips. When you think grips, you think Turner. You can join the Turner family by contacting sales at uniquesports.com today. Of course, you can also buy Turner wherever you get your tennis goods, but learn more. It's not just the grips, folks. It's strings and so much more. Email them today, sales at uniquesports.com. With all of that said, let's get into the past week of results from the Division I men's college tennis world. And the place we have to start is with the University of Virginia Cavaliers. Now, We joked about this a few weeks ago, Chris, on our show. This was the best five and five team in college tennis history. And yes, these Virginia Cavaliers did start the season five and five. And, you know, you look for them early in the season, they go to Columbus. And as everyone did in the month of February in Columbus, they lose that match 4-0. They then go down to Waco. They drop a match to the Baylor Bears 4-2. No shame in that. Baylor, top 10 team in the country, national indoor semifinalists. Again, in a vacuum, not a bad loss. 
They then go to Fort Worth, drop a match to TCU 4-1. Again, to play Baylor and TCU on back-to-back days, that's a tough ask for any team, let alone on the road. In a vacuum, not a bad loss. They go to the national indoors. They play TCU again. They drop that match 4-2. They then play Florida, who also lost their first-round match to Texas. Just a brutal draw, and obviously Florida now number one in the country. They lose that match 4-2, had plenty of opportunities. Rodesh, Shelton, third set. Shelton ultimately gets the job done. Point being, that's a fit, you know five consecutive losses for Virginia early in the season. At Ohio State, at Baylor, at TCU, TCU again in the indoors, Florida in the indoors. They're five and five at that point. Well, since that match, University of Virginia, nine consecutive victories. The closest they've been pushed, they clinched 4-1 against Georgia Tech, but it was a 4-3 victory in, in, in the end overall. You look for them this past weekend, though, at home. 4-0 win over a rising NC State team that has been dangerous all year long. And then most importantly, 4-1 victory over Wake Forest. Chris, this team looks like they are finally rounding into form. You look at your website at the projected rankings, which has become my favorite thing to use any resource available in college tennis. Virginia's back up to number eight in those projected rankings. And, you know, they're top 10 in the USTA polls now as well. A little sneak peek. I guarantee you they're going to be top eight in our Cracker Rackets poll uh, as we look later on here today. You guys mocked me when I continued to vote Virginia number eight in our poll, even though they hadn't had the signature victories. It was an eye test thing. I saw them in Seattle. They're as good as anyone. The results are now a manifestation of that fact. Now, as we're speaking, they're down one out to Kentucky in Lexington. They dropped the doubles point there. We'll keep an eye on that result throughout the course of this show. But Chris, is Virginia back? I mean, back is a relative uh, <laughs> a relative word. I don't know that they ever left. And, you know, us mocking you was, was really more of a, hey, Virginia, you have to penalize them for the losses, right? You lose five matches in a row. We can't just vote you six, seven, eight, just because even though I think you, Maddie, and I would have all agreed come May, we absolutely expect them to be right there in that spot. Uh, you know, they, they are that good. They will be fine. They played, you know, all those losses you mentioned probably, and, you know, which is kind of ironic, probably the most disappointing of all of them is the indoor loss to Florida, the number one team in the country, everything else, uh, Kind of felt like you expect you expect to go lose at TCU. You expect to lose at Ohio State. Uh, you know you Not expect Baylor. to yeah you expect to lose potentially indoors neutral site to TCU, who is you know coming out of there number one at Baylor. Yeah, the Florida match is the one that you go oh, maybe I'd like to see you win that match indoors at a neutral site. But but we knew we knew they were good this, for the same reason that we said, hey, we're not we're not crossing them off the list as national champion contenders because they absolutely are national champion well, contenders. And, I, I and, push, and they'll be Sorry, there. go ahead. No, I want to push back a bit because that's exactly why I kept voting them top 10. I'm not saying you expect them to lose all of those matches. And it would have been really nice had they even gone one in four, let alone two and three, or at three and two, there would have been no doubt they're a top 10 team in the country. 0-5 hurts because, A, all of your opportunities, you win just one of those matches, you have a top 10 win on your resume, it's going to boost you in the rankings, and this becomes less of a question. But again, you look right now, their five losses, ready? Number one in the country, TCU. Number two in the country, Ohio State. Number three in the country, Florida. Number five in the country, Baylor. 
I know we criticize the ranking formula for not penalizing losses. This is one of those instances where it makes sense. And now, if they go on the road today and lose to Kentucky, and I would point out they've won three first sets in the first four singles matches, the matches indoors, played only on four courts. Can you guess the guy who lost the first set, Chris, or are you looking at it right now? Oh, I've already, yeah, I've already got it yeah. up. Diallo is the one that won yeah, the first Diallo set. Diallo beats Von der Schulenberg, who's been the most consistent presence in the lineup. But you look for Virginia, and just again, how the records have shaken out, how they looked this past weekend against Wake Forest, and again, at home, they do what you would expect them to do. They take the doubles point. And Getz and Montez have, you know, I talked to Coach Pedroso, and you're going to be able to hear that full conversation on the Cracked Interviews podcast tomorrow on uh, a clip of it momentarily. But I talked to him about the doubles pairings because they've already played 12 pairings this year. And part of that's a byproduct of they got a lot of guys that got them to get into the lineup, whether it's, you know, the three super sophomores. Obviously, Alex Kiefer belongs in that discussion as well. Gianni Ross, Ryan Getz, Will Woodall, Jackson Allen. You know, they want to play all of those guys. So that's part of the reason. But you look for them last weekend. They take the doubles point against NC State. They take the doubles point comfortably against uh, against Wake Forest as well. And then. Look, when Rodesh plays his best, he can beat anyone. And you look for him last weekend, two and four over Kotri, four and four over Nava. You look what, you know, the ability to drop Montez to the number two spot. He's up six, uh, six, two, five, three on NC State. He gets a three and three win over Kungu. I mean, Gats has finally started to turn things around. He's playing better. Good wins for him over Body at four and then a win over Schick at five against NC State. The big thing to me, why I continue to still be encouraged about this team, A, I remember a certain two people. I'm not going to say their names, but we'll call them Chris Kalioris and Sat Makowiak, who mocked me when I said I think Barbotzer is going to end up at four or five singles at the end of the year. Well, lo and behold, against Wake Forest, Chris, Barbotzer, number five singles. He split sets with Sid Banthia, who, by the way, and we learned for the fifth year is going to Cal, which that's a nice pickup for Coach Quinta and the Bears for next season. But, like, you look at the records for this Virginia team. Obviously, with the five-match losing streak, they're not going to be that gaudy from an individual standpoint. And yet, everyone's on a win streak. Von der Schulenberg's won nine in a row. Montez and Rodash have won four in a row. You know, Getz has won eight of his last nine. And Johnny Ross has won seven of his last eight. Everyone but Botzer and Allen are, playing, are starting to play their best. And like the fifth years have earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, look, the the botter thing to me is, I mean, that's more of a, I think anyway, it could be more of a ploy than anything. He's not playing a ton of matches. By not playing a ton of matches, you can slide him down without protest, without question. And when it really counts, you know, he'll put the, the time in and the effort in and he'll be ready come May. And it doesn't matter, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter whether you play him at two or five, you're, you know, you're likely going to get the bar that's ready to play NCAAs. And, and if you get the luxury of playing him at five, uh, absolutely great. But yeah, I mean, I think none of us ever doubted the fact that this team was going to be there. You know, I think back to your point on, uh, on, you know, you continually voting them at eight. I would have liked to do, you know, based off sheer talent, I would say, yes, absolutely. I would have voted them eight. I expect even at that point in time, if we played the tournament, I would expect them to be eight. The problem is if you tell me, hey, today's the NCAA draw and we have to pick teams for the draw. Are you voting South Carolina or Virginia? In my 
my gut tells me if, if they're going to play a match, I'm taking Virginia. But if you're telling me I have to vote based on the performance they've put forward this year, I have to take South Carolina because they had the better performance and they didn't take all of those, you know, they didn't go 0-5 against all those top teams. Well, I think that's really an interesting point as well, because one bailout fact, I would say for Virginia, who, again, as I mentioned, up to number eight in the projected rankings, and boy, could they use that win over Kentucky today, because you're right, like they don't have a signature top 10 win outside of the win they just picked up over Wake Forest. And in the race for the top eight, you need a couple of those. Now, the thing where Virginia has been bailed out, and this is more broadly an ACC conversation, the ACC got deep this year. All of the sudden, and you look for Virginia, who has this Kentucky match the next weekend, they're at Florida State at Miami. That South Florida swing is always just brutal for any team to make. And both of those teams, you know, those are two top 40 sort of sort of quality victories. But they also picked up wins already over Duke, who's gotten beaten up over the past few weeks, but picked up some good wins early in the season. And that's a top 40 team. Louisville, shout out super producer Daniel Westoff. Louisville has established themselves as a top 40 team. Duke's got to win over, uh, Virginia's got to win over them. North Carolina, they've already beaten. And we haven't spent enough time talking about the North Carolina men this season who are maybe the most fascinating team in the country. Because just what a ragtag group of characters in just like Cernok. And what, what Brian Cernok has done this season we don't give him enough credit. We should have spent more segments talking about him as an individual star of the week because he's turned into a, oh, don't worry, I'll get us a point. I freaking know if I don't win, we're losing this match. So don't worry, I'll go win, guys. And like he's doing it match after match after match. So I see you, Brian Cernok. Don't think we're missing out on your st- you stepping up this year. Um, and you've done it for a couple of years now. I... Honest to God, him losing that national indoor match in the final to USC might have been the best thing that ever happened to him, Chris. Because, like, since that moment, he has been one of the elite points in college tennis, wherever he's playing. All of that said, ACC's deep, right? Like, if Virginia wins out and wins the conference tournament, they should be a top eight seed, even if they lose. Or if they do, they have to beat Kentucky, I guess, is my question. I don't know that they have to beat Kentucky. It's a huge help. I mean, if they're already projected eight, if they beat Kentucky today, they're projected up to six as of now next week. Uh, I don't know that that's a must win because the penalty for losing is not that bad. And they will still have another opportunity in all likelihood to beat Wake Forest again. Uh, They will have opportunities, you know, against these other teams, like you said, the Florida States, Miami's. Uh, they won't be huge gains for them, but they are gains over what they're counting right now. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at what they're, what Virginia is actually counting in their wins right now, uh, and their their worst counted win is over Washington at number fifty. So so wins, road wins over a Miami and a Florida State who are hanging right around thirty are going to do them some benefit. Uh, that will absolutely help. We add, you know, the other thing is we add another win next week. That's where the right now, that's where Virginia falls off. They've got seven quality wins. They're missing that eight. They go to eight next week. So it would be nice for them uh, to throw another one in there. But I don't think this is a must win for them to get a top eight. I think they're going to end up a top eight seed uh, regardless. One of them or Wake Forest, or do you think both can get it? I think both. Both could make it now for, for Wake. They may need to beat 
Virginia. I'm I'm not sure. They're you know let's let's look where they're right now. Well, they're sitting seven right now. It's yeah. very possible that they could they could both land there. I mean, look, the teams that are sitting right outside that bubble of the top eight right now: South Carolina, Georgia, Texas. Hmm. Not. I mean. I don't think there's great opportunities. Georgia's already got the win over Tennessee. They lost to Florida. So those big point, those top big point wins aren't there. They've played South Carolina. I, I don't know that those teams are going to push it that hard. I think it's very possible that both of those teams can end up with top eight seeds. Yeah, I mean, look, Wake Forest has played some really good matches throughout the course of the season. Obviously, they dropped the match at Tennessee, but they got a good win over Michigan on the kickoff weekend. And they have wins over Georgia and, you know, two of them and a win over Texas. And, you know, they've got a nice resume. They also already did their Florida swing and beat Florida State and beat Miami on the road, beat NC State. Their only conference losses to Virginia I mean, the ACC might get two in the top eight. I like, and both of those teams, I think, are right on the hunt. Now, again, if you were to ask us before the season, I think we would have taken Virginia over Wake. I think this Virginia result validates that take. That said, uh, again, I still think Barr has a level to go. And to not to play bailout for Barr Botzer, a guy we obviously know well here at Crack Rackets, but like he didn't play a college tennis match in 18 months. And he was doing real world I almost swore. I caught myself, super producer Danny Westoff. He, he was doing real world stuff. Like, cut the guy a break. Give him some time to get and work his way back into shape. We know he's clinched a national championship match. How many players in the country can say that? Two. Him and Ben Shelton. That's it. Like, I want that guy on my roster. So, yeah, I feel like this Virginia team is rounding into form, and now things get really fun. And that whole ACC conference, you know, again, we're going to get into them when we talk about the top 16 hunt, but – it's a fascinating race uh, to, you know, three, four, five, six in the conference. And it, it's a deep race as well as you look uh, towards uh, the NCAA tournament in the bottom of the field as well. But with that in mind, let's move on. That's enough time on the ACC. Let's go to a topic near and dear to your heart. And of course, we'll be talking about them extensively in an individual podcast as part of our broadcast deal with the SEC. Oh, excuse me. Before we move on, since you and I spent a lot of time speculating about that Virginia slow start to the season and what it might have done to this team. Let's hear from Coach Pedroso uh, directly about, you know, again, the slow start, bouncing back from it, and where this Virginia team is at moving forward. We learned a lot in that stretch, <laughs> and we scheduled that for a reason. We scheduled that, you know, those teams for a reason in the month of February uh, just to play the best, see where we're at, see where we need to improve, and I felt like guys handled it really well. There were some really tough losses that we were points away from winning. But this is a mature group, united group. We had some honest conversations with each other at the end of some of these matches. And that was the whole point of the month of February. And, and I think we've gotten a lot better. We still need to keep improving. Um, I felt like, you know, last year our schedule could have been a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like we weren't totally prepared for the NCAA tournament. And so this year, you know, I, di I, didn't, I didn't want that to happen at all. So we scheduled really tough. I think playing Kentucky today in Lexington is another great test where we're going to learn a lot about ourselves. And, and it's just about continuing to get better throughout the season. That's, that's a big lesson I've learned as a head coach. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully it'll pay off. 
I appreciate Coach Pedrosa taking the time to chat this morning. As you heard, he's competing against Kentucky today. And right now, one all in that Virginia-Kentucky match. Virginia getting a win, 6-4, 6-2 from Ryan Getz. He continues his strong form. That's a good win over Musatelli uh, at the number four spot. Uh, Gabriel Diallo, 6-3. We're not going to give you a live update because by the time you listen to this respectfully uh, on the podcast form, it'll be over. But we will give you an update when that match is over. And maybe I'll throw it in every so often. With that in mind, to move away from the ACC, talk about what's happening in the Southeastern Conference. Of course, a conference near and dear to your heart, a conference we will break down individually as part of our broadcast agreement with the SEC. Uh, But let's talk about Tennessee, who... You know, they've been with you out Johannes Monday now for three weeks. And, you know, they've had various injuries throughout the season. Martin Prada, he may be healthy now, but he's clearly not playing the best tennis, the sort of tennis he played last season, still working his way towards that form. And, you know, Pat Harper has been in and out in both doubles and singles this season. And, you know, they were missing him this weekend in doubles against Texas A&M. They drop the doubles point. I believe they drop four first sets in singles as well. Nevertheless, in the end, Tennessee, just a delicious 4-3 victory over Texas A&M, a match we were fortunate enough to have on our Crack Rackets broadcast. Of course, they then knock off, in my opinion, a very scrappy LSU team, 4-1 as well. They're going to retain their top eight ranking, and you look in the projected rankings right now, Tennessee currently at number five, but projected to go up to number four. Obviously, they banked a bunch of great wins before the national indoors they make the finals of the national indoors as well has tennessee secured themselves a top eight spot because i again we don't know how long this monday absence is going to last they survived like they didn't drop one of the bad matches like i feel like you can afford a loss to a top 10 team in south carolina you can afford to drop a match to florida yeah you'd like the georgia one back but again that's not going to kill you I feel like a loss to A&M would have hurt them on a scale those other three didn't. Yeah, I mean, from the SEC perspective, I think they've got, you know, really only one really losable match left on the schedule, uh, and that's the match at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they, they could lose that, but even losing that isn't going to hurt, and they'll still be a top eight team uh, at that point. So I think they – for the most part, probably uh, secured that top eight spot. Now, I don't think, you know, if they win, if they beat Kentucky, that's a, that's a huge boost for them and it helps. They're not going to get a ton of points out of anything left. Obviously, uh, Alabama, Arkansas, not going to provide a lot of points or Vandy. They do have the match with Auburn that is, will be worth some okay points. Uh, but yeah, I think they're probably safely feel, it feels like they're fairly safely in uh, unless a bunch of teams just have huge conference tournaments and jump up and, and try to try to get around them. They're, they're not really going to find their own way out of it. Somebody, some teams are going to have to do really good things. So I, I think they're probably safely in, but to your point, I mean, the, the match with A&M, they were down three Oh, if I'm not mistaken, that was three Oh A&M. Uh, and I think A&M even had a break. Uh, and they were down you know, a up set and a, a break at two. Emil Hud was down a break. Yeah, and and that could have been it, and then they just they turned the tide and came back. So so yes, they did what a good team has to do, and they came back and and won. Uh, but it's still to me not not overly encouraging. They need, I think, this team needs the Martin Prada that played for for Tennessee last year, not the Martin Prada we've seen play to date. And maybe it's still just a matter of 
some more court time. He didn't look good against A&M. He did get a win against LSU. And like, so, so maybe he just needs to get more court time. But they're, it, I don't think, uh, in my mind, yes, Monday has to be back, obviously. They can't win without Monday, not, not a national title. They've got to have Monday. I think they need Prada, and they need at least some semblance of the Prada they had last year, not the one that's just struggling to win SEC matches this year. Mm-hmm. I, so a couple of things. A, doubles-wise, obviously, they didn't have Harper against AM. That made a big difference. They get Harper back against LSU, Hud and Mitsui down to the two spot, and they win the one and two spots, and they're back where they belong. And obviously, when you get Monday back, he and Walner were undefeated at three, and he and Prada so successful last year at two as well. You feel like doubles, yeah, it took a second, but Tennessee was in, heading in the right direction. I still feel pretty good about their doubles point. Again, we'll do the glass half full first. Mitsui, you know, will you tell me one thing I've been wrong about this year? Will you give me, like, this is your worst take of the season? What's been my worst take of the season, Chris? Your worst? Oh, there's been so many. I actually don't think I've had that many. Columbia, was that my worst take of the season? Your your worst? Well, yeah, that was just a horrible take. But (laughs) uh, that might be be theirs. I mean – and for the folks that don't listen to all the shows, it's not just the Columbia in general. It's the, I'll take this Columbia team over the team with Jackie Tang and Jack. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. That was okay. absurd. Uh, and, you know, bids like rolling over in his retirement grave nucleus, right now. But yes. Okay. So that's my worst take of the year. My best no, one, I, I mean, okay, it's Diaz ahead. for sure. With, with regards to the Tennessee team. I, I don't me, know. I think the Diaz take has slowly come back to life. I don't think you wanted it. You wanted it to come back, but then just as it looked like maybe it was coming back, Diaz comes through over the weekend. He comes through against A and M. Yeah, I mean, I I, maybe he was playing a little uh, above even what we we thought he would, but I still think uh, I mean, or a lot above what we thought he was going to be able to do. But even in, even if he comes down a little from from the level where he was just absolutely rolling early in the season, even what he's doing now, I think, is still better than you. I mean, I'm in that boat, too, than either of us thought, because we were all saying, hey, you've got to be playing Mitsui in front of Diaz. This is a stack. And I think Diaz has proven that, no, it's not. He deserves to be there, and he's he's done well. So, well, I mean, I still... I That's, still think Mitsui should be there. Well, because this weekend good. proves it because Mitsui blitzes AM and then he's up 7 6 4 3 on Kent Hunter, who's lost, I think, one match this season at 3 4 LSU. I mean, so the reason I asked you for a bad take is because I was so right about Mitsui, and I would just like to take a small victory. Mitsui for that. sure. That was a that was a great call. That that yeah. kid is that kid's good. So yeah. he their doubles is the real deal. He's the real deal. And I don't give a flying anything where you play him like I feel good about him against literally anyone Walton is playing as well as he's ever played at the one spot and he has delivered in particular for him to find that win against Schachter when his team needed it against AM in three sets that was particularly impressive and they've put so much pressure on his point with all the injuries they've had this season and he's delivered about as well as you can ask anyone to deliver at that number one spot if you get Monday back Again, you feel really good about those points. I think HUD has been solid. Like, HUD has been everything you could have asked him to be this season. The question left 
is what to do at six, because you know who five of your six are. It's going to be Walton, Monday, Mitsui, Hud, and to your point, Diaz has earned a spot in the lineup. And the lower you play him, the better you feel about him. The guy's just a rock. He's going to compete in every match that he plays. What do you do at that six spot? I agree. If you can say you're going to get 2021 Martin Prada, you just got to stick with me through the six weeks, and I do think that's what they're really hoping for, then yeah, you keep doing it, especially at this point with the SEC regular season decided. Nothing from here matters. You play Prada the rest of the way. The other thing I think you do the rest of the way, and this isn't just for this season. This is moving forward. I'm just in on Connor Gannon. I just am. Like, I think the freshman's the answer. I think of all the options, with all due respect to you, Pat Harper, because I think Harper can be good at six. But again, Pat's gone next season. Same with Mark Walner. I think he can fill in in a pinch, but he's gone next season. A, you look for Gannon, who against LSU gets the first set off boards. Kozlov's now down 5-2 in the second set, but Kozlov's about a highest quality of opponent. You're going to find at six, and Gannon takes the first. He's got the serve. He's got the forehand. He's got the decisiveness. If you're asking me what's better for the future of Tennessee, to take the lumps with Prada or to take the lumps with Gannon, the answer in 2022 is probably Prada because the best version of him right now we've seen is better than Gannon. But moving forward, Gannon's the answer. Like, And I just, I would be done with anything else. I'd be like, with all due respect, we're just playing Gannon at six when there's any sort of question. Yeah, I don't disagree. Between when we get into the Gannon versus Walner versus Harper discussion, I thought coming into the year that that Harper, when healthy, was absolutely the answer. But from what I've seen this year, along with, as you stated, the fact that Gannon's the freshman and clearly the few, I mean, he's forced on you at this point as the future, but he looks, I mean, you, you don't feel bad about it. He looks yeah. good. Uh, I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind playing him at all. I would be playing him, but I think when it comes to – so I think what we'll see is hopefully they'll probably give Gannon some some more time uh, up against some of these ma- – you know, in matches they absolutely should win when they're playing Alabama, when they're, you know, when they're, when they're playing Vanderbilt. These are matches they, they ought to be winning. They should be playing Gannon, but they've still if, – if this year, you know, if they're trying to push for the title this year, they need Prada in the lineup. They also need to play him. So it's more – you know, at that point, then you almost have to sit somebody to get both of them court time. But, yeah, I think it's a this year Prada moving forward, it's Gannon. And it makes it a tough spot for, you know, for Harper and Walner. Walner, yeah, if, you, if you're ever going somewhere and it looks like it's bad weather and the match is going to get pushed indoors, I like the big lefty maybe on an indoor surface. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know that the, you know, he's going to see a lot of playing time for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I would – I mean, it's tough. Like, again, I would play Gannon. I do – I believe – like, I think his weapons are usually going to be the biggest weapons on the court regardless of who he's playing at six. And again, I really like the match he played, the matches he played at the indoors, whether it was in the final against TCU, whether it was again in the semifinals where clearly he had built the trust uh, against Baylor. I I thought he just played two really good matches. And uh, again, I think he can offer you not, I think he's the best option right now. Like I, I test wise, I think he's playing better than Prada. I really do. But I, I, 
understand your points. This is why we don't have the jobs because evidently we would be wrong. Chris Woodruff earned his 100th victory this past weekend and it was really fun to see them to celebrate and congratulations to coach. And I know how much that means to coach Mackay and the entire program. And, you know, again, given how tough it's been with injuries these past few weeks that this group has stuck together, continues to earn victories. It's a testament to its resilience. But yeah, I, I do think that's the question for Tennessee remaining. We're going to talk about A&M in a little bit, I promise. So hold that thought, Aggies fans, because they're good. And I really like the future for the Aggies and this nucleus and how they're going to age. But we'll get to them and their win over Georgia in a little bit. Let's move on now to what was our headline matchup of the week. And we've saved it here till number three. Baylor goes to Fort Worth, 5-2 victory over TCU. And it was a pretty clean kill. They take the doubles point. Soto and Mizuchi, 6-4 victory over Jong and Maxted in a, you know, and I do think Soto and Mizuchi right now are the best doubles team in this Baylor lineup. No disrespect to Sven or Finn, but I just think they just can do a little bit more. They're playing a little bit more confidently. And then I think Adrian Boyton and Teddy Paralek, where if you look at the stats, I think they've lost like three times together. I'll look it up more formally here in a second, but they get a 6-2 win over Aguilar and Vives. They're a real deal team. Like they have clicked, they have gelled and credit to coach Woodson for allowing them to place through some issues early on because they're looking legit. And then again, straight set victories, Boyton three and three over Aguilar, Mizuchi four and one over Jirasek at six. And then perhaps the win of the day, Finn Bass one and three over Jake Fernley. Now again, TCU ends up getting three set wins at two and three over Soto and Law from Famba and Jong. And, you know, whatever happened at five, Vivez retires in the third set. We can throw that one out, but he and Paralek were battling. This is Baylor's best win of the season unequivocally, and it comes at a time, in my opinion, where just from a confidence standpoint, they needed it. Yeah. I mean, it's what we expected to see out of them early on. No, granted, the team's lost, what, two matches all yeah. year? It's not like they've And let's been also bad. be clear. Granted, this team lost half of their starting lineup. Like, Furman, Broom, and Stokowiak are all gone. Yeah, and, and it's just so – we've all been kind of on this kick of, yeah, they started out really well, and then the replacements, if you will, as I'll call them, at four, five, and six, right? You've got – you're bringing in – Miladinovich and Bass and and Mizuchi for the th- the aforementioned three that you thought it seemed like while we were really high on them coming in and they were doing well they just kind of you know Miladinovich actually just stopped playing and Bass disappeared for a little bit you know he was in, in not playing or not playing well when he did Mizuchi had to move up lost a match at five you know th- thought he was unbeatable it's the you know, it wasn't the three guys you had at four through six last year. But look, this, I mean, it's still a really, really good team. They needed this match to get them going. They got back on the right foot. And I, you know, I have no doubts about the fact that that it's still a really good team. And I expect them to be right there in the national championship hunt. Yeah, I, I do think... When you look for this team, and I have the stats now in front of me for the Baylor Bears, uh, Mizuchi and Soto, 13-4. and four. I do think they have been the best team for this group. Boyton, Paralek, 9-3 and three overall. Bass and, and Law have struggled. Uh, they really have. And I know 9-5 and five from a record, again, on the surface, that's fine. But you expected better than fine from them. Like, if we're being honest, at the number one spot, particularly given the fall that they had, and they just, they've struggled a bit against, obviously, a very high level of competition, I mean, Adrian down to Styler 
in Michigan, I think was a testament to how well Michigan is playing right now. But like, again, let's look at the record. Soto's five and five at the two single spots. Fenlaw's seven and five at the three single spot. Now they're 15 and three at five and 17 and three at six. They've come pretty close to replicating the depth that they saw from last season. Obviously, when you actually look at the context of who Matias Soto has lost to, you start to realize, well, okay, it's to the Virginias of the world or to Kentucky indoors when Diallo's just playing, lights freaking out. And, you know, again, to lose a three-set match to Famba, I don't think that's a bad loss at all. And, you know, again, I'm not saying Matias Soto is playing poorly, and to your point, this team has lost twice. Like they lose 4-2 to Tennessee, 4-0 at Michigan. I don't know. It does feel like that's the low-hanging fruit. It's like even if they're not playing poorly, Soto and Law are not playing their best. And if Soto and Law start to play their best, this team's ceiling just goes to another level. Yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, Law has always been super unpredictable. You never know which version sure. of Sven Law you're going to see. Soto, I just expect to get better. That guy's a grinder. He's a fighter. He's not, you know, he's not going away. Uh, it's not, you know, you're not going to go down from a five, you know, a 500 type record with him. So I don't expect, I don't expect this team to be any worse than they are. And like you said, two, they've got two losses. So yeah, it's a short big 12 season. Uh, you know, only six teams. So they play five conference matches. The the first TCU match, I believe, was the non-conference match. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And then they actually play a conference match against them. But uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a short conference season, and they're they're going to be just fine. They're they're hitting their groove now. They'll they'll be ready for you know for NCAs when it rolls around, and and they've got everything they need. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a really fun uh, team, and I do think. The fact that they've got Texas this weekend, the fact that they've got TCU at home, excuse me, coming up again as well. We're going to get to see them tested back to back to back. And can they capitalize on this momentum? That is the question one. We're going to get to see answered, but certainly again, Adrian at one, Mizuchi at six. You like them against just about anyone. The doubles point rounding into form, the center of the lineup. It's been a bit streaky everywhere, but you're starting to see the pieces take shape. It's a really good win for Baylor. I think TCU's just earned the benefit of the doubt, right? Like we, again, they're the national indoor champions. Their six are staying pretty healthy. They're not clicking the way they did at the indoors. And, you know, again, I still think they're working into outdoor form, but I have no concerns about TCU. Yeah, I know exactly. Another team that's going to be, what, what doesn't get the benefit of the doubt is who, who chose this picture here on the screen. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's brutal right there. And I'm not talking about the point on backhand. I'm talking about the other picture. No, that's a great <laughs> look for Sven. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I yeah. I don't think, great. I don't think Sven would even agree with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and again, by the way, that right there is a reason why you should all tune in uh, to the show live. All right. With that said, we get to jump around a little bit and this is where things get interesting. I want to talk about the top 16 and the teams in the race for the top 16, because you know, again, I think there are a lot of them in the mix right now, and I've got some schedules pulled up, and we can talk wins, and we can talk rankings, and what's the strongest, and that's why we have you here, Professor. But let's play a game of top 16 watch. Start with the aforementioned Texas A&M Aggies, who 
Drop that match 4-3 against Tennessee. But again, they're up 3-0, win at 5-6. and six. Casper, the freshman's the real deal. Perego, the freshman's the real deal. Schachter can compete up there at one, and you feel like next season he goes from competing to winning these matches in three sets. And, you know, again, they're up a, they're up a set and a break at two over HUD. And, you know, they bring back everyone next season. That's the big thing for AM. And yet you start to look for this group who obviously started the year on fire, making the national indoors, beating Arizona to get there. You know, they are in a 4-3 win over Georgia this weekend. A really impressive 4-3 win that, you know, with the results, you look in the projected rankings right now, Texas AM, according to your metrics, Chris, still only at number 23 in the projected rankings, even with that victory. And yet, you know, when I watch this AM team play, they're really freaking good. And I know when we're looking at the resume, I have some teams on the screen for you. AM, who earns that victory over Georgia. USC, who gets a really good 4-3 win over Stanford, 4-2 over Cal. UNC gets wins over Notre Dame and Louisville, does their job. Northwestern, win over Penn State, lost to Iowa State, uh, lost to Ohio State. I don't know if they're still in the mix. Duke beats Notre Dame, but loses to Louisville. We'll start with the Aggies. Do they have a shot at the top 16? Because I do think they're a six, one of the 16 best teams in the country. Man, I mean, I doubt they'd have to pull some, they'd really have to pull something off uh, in order to do that. They do. I'm going to, I was going to take a, a, a quick look at, if I can here at their, at their schedule coming up. But, I mean, they got the win over Georgia, so that that was huge for them. That's what vaulted them back up. I mean, I think they were probably more down in the, in the 30-ish range. That got them back down into the, into the low 20s. Uh, it's going to be a really, tough, uh, a really tough go for them to try to get top 16. They would have to pull something off, I think, in, in, the, in the SEC tournament, like another – Georgia type win for them to get in. I I think 16 is probably a bit unrealistic for them at this point. So then let's keep going through. And again, these are the teams right now on the border. And you look at your rankings, Kentucky's at 12. They're the last team I consider safe. I think Georgia, Texas, Kentucky, who are at 10, 11, 12 right now. I find it really hard to see that any of them will drop out just given the ranked wins they've accumulated. Stanford at 13 is interesting. Because you look for the Cardinal, yes, they make the national indoors. But still, you know, from a wins perspective for this Stanford team, they got a good early season victory uh, over USC. They got a win, you know, top 25 wins at the time over UCF and UCLA, but those wins have depreciated in value. Now, they have a good win over AM. That matters. I think their win over Utah will stay pretty solid. But, you know, coming up on their schedule, they've got Arizona left. That's a road match. They're at Cal as well. Certainly Washington, Oregon, Arizona State. No disrespect to those teams. I don't know if Stanford's a sure thing, though. Like, I feel like A&M's win over Georgia is stronger than anything Stanford's put together, even though Stanford beat them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're a lock, but I do think it's going to be a little tough to get them out. Like you said, they've got those. I mean, they've got teams that they just ought to beat left on their schedule. They've got matches with Arizona, Washington, Cal. Uh, I mean, that Arizona match could be really good. Teams like Washington and Cal will be worth decent points. Matches they should absolutely win. Uh, and if they do, it it helps them. I think it just makes it tough to knock them out. They don't have. Uh, I'm looking their, uh, you know, their eighth and ninth wins, and we only get to counting nine wins by the time we get to NCA. Aren't horrible right now. They're a little bit lower than everyone else, but by the time they add in, a, you know, a say a road win over in Arizona or a win or the win over or a win over Cal, assuming they can put that up. They're in good shape and they've got the Pac-12 tournament, which is, yeah. you know, something all these power five teams have to look forward to, regardless of who they are, is they get the opportunity. Losses don't hurt so much. Wins are huge. Well, Arizona, who's currently 18, but projected at 19, again, they're going to play Stanford and that's April 1st. So that's this Friday uh, at home. So that's tomorrow at home, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, so 4.30 p.m. Eastern you look for this stand for, uh, for this Arizona team. Yeah, they lost to VCU. That hurts. They would have loved to have beaten Middle Tennessee, particularly given how highly Middle Tennessee is sitting on the rankings right now. But Arizona has a win over Texas, and Arizona has a win over Oklahoma. That is, you know, those two wins are better than anything Stanford's accumulated right now. And if Arizona beats Stanford, again, if you're asking me who deserves the spot more, I'd give it to Arizona over Stanford. Like, that is why I think Stanford's very much on the chopping block and has to finish the season strong. Yeah, the problem is you, you punch that win in for Arizona, Stanford's still 13, Arizona's 15. So they're so, both that in. gets Okay, so Stanford has more margin than I'm accounting for. Yeah, yeah, they've got – I mean, there's a little gap there below them. So that's, that's why I think it's going to be tough to get them out, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. But it could it would absolutely be huge for Arizona. It puts them they need that kind of win to get them back. You know they're right there on the outside looking in bubble, if you will. But they're going to need one of those big kinds of wins. They're going to need to basically beat a USC or a Stanford down the stretch in the Pac-12 to get them back in the top 16. And that's why Arizona, in my opinion, cannot be written off yet because if they play, I mean, do I think they're going to win the national championship? I do not. Do I think they can host an NCAA regional? Do I think they can get to the round of 16, put a serious scare in someone, and maybe even make a quarterfinal run? Absolutely. I still think they're in contention to that. And to your point, you know, again, they still have the USC and Stanford matches coming up, and they get Stanford at home. And, you know, again, are they, uh, excuse me, they already beat uh, USC, USC. Uh, on the yep. road 4 3. And so Arizona has put themselves back in contention, back in play for a top 16 seed. Has USC clinched themselves a spot? I Of this group, I think they're probably the closest. They have the win over Stanford. They've got, you know, a good win, I think, over Pepperdine as well. And, you know, uh, the Ole Miss win, uh, two wins over Stanford, excuse me. The Ole Miss win, I don't know how, how well that appreciates. Now, certainly they've lost a match to Pepperdine. They lose that match to Arizona, 4-3 to Texas as well. And sadly, the closeness of your loss is not rewarded uh, in the rankings formula. So maybe they're not a loss. And I mean, look at their home stretch at Oregon, at Washington, at UCLA, at Utah, and then they get San Diego at home, which is actually a far more critical match uh, than than you perhaps the headline would suggest. That's, that's 
very that's perhaps for both teams try to that, win. that could be a, that could be a top 16 that, that could be a winner host loser doesn't yeah the winner go home. the is time that, we get there okay april 13th which is two weekends from now chris or two wednesdays from now that's a winner go home match i like it let's circle it we'll get back to that one i like that first on the calendar lock it in yeah but I so mean, is absolutely. this usc team a lock or no no, I mean, they're not a lock. They're sitting at 14-ish area, right? With So you've got a, a couple spots of room. But when you look at the teams behind you, yeah, it, it seems like it might be tough for a Harvard or a Middle Tennessee to really pile up wins that would really vault them up over top of you just because their conference tournaments, et cetera, right? And, you know, the rest of their conference season and tournaments, if they have them, aren't, aren't going to provide those opportunities. But then you go to the very next teams down and you look San Diego, Duke, North, North Carolina. San Diego plays USC, so they get an opportunity right there for those points. Duke, North Carolina, and the ACC, if they go on runs, get opportunities against a lot of teams that will provide big points. So, so you know, it's, they're not a lock. They could get vaulted over through no even even if they do their own job um they they could get vaulted over although a win if they add a win over san diego right i mean the winner of that match would think is is likely in although take a quick look san diego still they could use a few more points still at their at those deep end uh you know the the eight and nine type wins where even if they won the USC match, it, it could get questionable. USC wins that match. They're like, they're in for sure. Uh, but it probably is a winner is in. Loser not out of it. If San Diego loses, they're probably out of it just because they don't have the conference opportunities left. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go through the rest quickly here. Harvard, 15. You look at their schedule, the wins they've accumulated, obviously a massive win for them over Michigan. They've also beaten another team in the hunt in Pepperdine now. You know, you look for – they got a good win over Utah uh, a couple of weekends ago as well. I suppose the Vanderbilt win, Columbia wins add well. They still have a full Ivy League schedule to go. Is that enough? They're actually actually in really good shape right now. They're projected this week to be 16, but that's counting an unranked win in their total. So anything, you know, a Princeton win, a Penn win, of which I think they both have both of them left on the schedule, right? and then, uh, you know, anything down the stretch for them will, will, will be bonus. You need to count two more wins, and, and that would be too unranked for them at the point. But, but you know, I, don't, I think they're, they're actually in okay shape right now just by the fact that they ought to win those matches. And sure, if they can get a Columbia win, I mean, that's the icing on the cake. Yeah, we talked about San Diego last week and Pepperdine as well, so we don't have to repeat it too much. They're still in the hunt. Middle Tennessee – also very much in the hunt, right? Like all three of these teams still too till still too soon to eliminate them, even if things get a little tougher for them moving forward. Yeah, it's a, Middle Tennessee. You know, for the most part, is they just keep yeah. winning four three for the fun of it. Yeah, they they they, they have uh, you know they've done what they've needed to do. For them, it's just a matter of opportunity. You know, top 16, even though they're sitting right there on the bubble, is just tough because they don't have the matches left. You know, they played all those non-conference matches. They won the matches they needed to win, and it got them to being right there on the bubble. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. Memphis, Alabama A&M, 
Tulsa Wichita State. The Tulsa match absolutely uh, could could be big for them. The Memphis match will provide good points as well. They need to win them both and hope that it's you know hope that nobody else vaults them, if you will, at that at that point. But they're you know with those ACC teams hanging right around there, you know they've just got to hope those teams get bounced, uh, you know, as quickly as possible uh, in the ACC tournament. Don't get don't get any more. They're not out of it, but it's a t- it's tough for them. So let's go through it quickly. Again, those ACC schools right now, Duke projected 18. North Carolina projected 20. And it's worth noting North Carolina wins already over Florida State, Miami. They have the big win over South Carolina as well, which is probably the best non-conference win of this group. Although certainly North Carolina State, I think, also has that win. And they beat North Carolina as well. But right now, Duke's 18. North Carolina 20, NC State 24, Notre Dame 27, Louisville 28, Florida State 29, Miami 31. I imagine we can eliminate Florida State and Miami from this discussion. But Duke, North Carolina, NC State, Notre Dame, Louisville. Honestly, all those teams, it feels like if one of them were to rip off a massive run down the ACC's home stretch, that one, I would say probably two of those what two of those six teams get seated in the end? I mean, look, the thing that the, the the hottest team in that group right now might be is probably Louisville. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, they lost their matches early, and yes, they lost at North Carolina last weekend, but then they go in and you know clinch four zero and in what ends up being a five two win over Duke. They've still got not that I expect them necessarily to win these matches, although it could be a very good match. They get NC State at home and they get Wake Forest at home this weekend. Certainly don't really expect them to beat Wake Forest. That NC State match is an opportunity uh, for them. And that's that's big points. And then they've also still got uh, Notre Dame on the schedule. It's a long way from 28, 29, wherever they are now, up to 16. But it's not out of the question, but it might. It, I mean, it almost undoubtedly will either take that Wake Forest win or something big in the ACC tournament. But again, that's that's the benefit they get is if they lose the Wake Forest match, very little harm. If they can turn around and throw up a big win in the ACC tournament, they have the opportunity. It, it'll be it'll be tough from that far out. NC State closer at 24. And then obviously when you mention, uh, you know, Duke, uh, right, right there. Those teams absolutely are are so close uh, that you know that just a small win, you know, a, it doesn't have to be the big Wake Forest win that puts them over the hump. Just adding some good other top twenty five type teams will will help them a bunch. Yeah, well said. So with all of that in mind, again, that's where the race to the top 16 stands. Still about 10 teams in competition for those final few host sites. With that in mind, let's play a rapid fire game. Good win, bad losses. There are so many results for us to touch on. And since it's just me and you, perhaps this will actually go rapidly. Ohio State four over Northwestern. We didn't talk about Northwestern in the top 16 there. They've got Michigan at home this Sunday. I know this is obviously a 4 0 wins a testament to Ohio State. This was a bad loss for Northwestern. I thought this is your chance. Okay, prove to me you can compete. Prove to me you can get a set here or a set there. And other than Steve Foreman at one, with all due respect, Northwestern just wasn't very competitive in this match. Yeah, but I mean, 
ho-hum kind of what you expected i mean yes well, from your from no, that perspective because if you're a top 16 seed it can't be ho-hum and it was and so that's why it's a bad loss yeah well from that perspective yes i i don't consider northwestern really uh you know to be a to really not not a team that should be a top 16 i they're they're in that you know 17 to 25 range in my mind but mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean it's kind of what I expected. But from their perspective, absolutely. If you think you're a top sixteen team, that's a bad loss. They would be a dangerous two seed. They're a vulnerable one seed if they're in an NCAA region host. I agree with you. All right, let's move absolutely. on. Nebraska four three over Michigan State. You want to hear something freaking crazy, Chris? Right now in the Big Ten rankings, Michigan one. Uh, excuse me, Ohio State one, Michigan two, Northwestern three, Wisconsin four. Nebraska is at five. This is a great win for Nebraska and on the road over Michigan State, much more dominant than the final four three scoreline indicates. I mean, it's been such a brutal stretch for Coach Sean Mamie and the team. He's got something finally going in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, obviously now he's pulled off a couple, pulled off a UCF win, pulled off this win. I still think it's a bad loss and Michigan State's still going, where in the heck is Ozan Kolak? Yeah, exactly. Let's get him on campus now. All right, South yeah. Carolina, 7-0 over Arkansas. We just haven't talked enough about Arkansas on this show. I think that's a good win for South Carolina. Arkansas had their shots with Florida and South Carolina coming to town this weekend. Unfortunately, weren't able to get either of them, but yeah. it's a good win for South Carolina. I thought Arkansas oh, played well. It, it's absolutely a good win. It's one of it's it's the match we talked about it last week. It was the it was the danger match for South yeah. Carolina, right? Arkansas jumps up and beats somebody every year. It was almost Kentucky at home uh, in that four three match, and we thought, wow, that could be. It's probably not going to happen to Florida, which was a six one match. This was the danger match. South Carolina came through with flying colors and did the job. So that's a good win. Mm-hmm. Auburn six one over Ole Miss, good win. Oh, Auburn's just really huge. Solid. Huge win for for Auburn. I talked a bunch with Co- Coach Hushiar before the before the match uh, and, and what they needed to do and and wow did they go in and really I mean Ole Miss I've talked about it many times not an easy place to play uh, at Ole Miss in in Oxford and and they knew that that's a place they needed to go in they needed they only had one match on the weekend they needed to focus on that and get that done and they it makes this weekend for them a really 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 big weekend but yeah that was a big win for them yeah no i I would agree with you there all right kentucky 4-3 over vanderbilt i mean vandy just keeps getting so close for this van like so close in this match and ultimately it was 4-2 at clinch before that match was decided at one and credit to harwell who gets the win over draxel this is a good loss i know we don't have that category this is a great loss for vandy yeah, this is kind of like we said the Auburn 4-3 loss to Kentucky was, which is kind of, you know, Kentucky is slowly starting to look sort of like last year's Texas, right? I mean, how many 4-3s are they going to put up? And and 4-3s against teams that you don't really even think, you know, they might go 4-3 with a really good team, and then they go 4-3 with a team where you kind of expected more like a 5-2-6-1 type win, and Kentucky's doing that. I would say, yeah, I would say, you know, frankly, bad win, Kentucky, good loss, Van. Yeah, I just think they're dramatic. This Kentucky team, it's yeah. not a match. And by the way, <laughs> all three of the matches, one through three singles, going to third sets. Draxel taking his second set. Hurrian taking his second set. Vander Schulenberg taking his second set. So still one all right now in Lexington. 
All right, again, we're rapid firing through Vanderbilt, 4-3 over Alabama. I had good to not go winless on the weekend. That would have been a bad loss. Yeah, absolutely. And it was probably, and in all likelihood, the best shot Bama had for a, for a win in the SEC this year. They're probably staring at an 0-12 SEC season. Yeah. Uh, have they done the Mississippi stretch yet? Uh, they have played – I know they played state. Uh, so they played both then, for sure. I, I, I'm not positive that they played Ole Miss, but, yeah, they played state already. That's tough. Um, all right, LSU, 4-2 over Tulsa. Uh, again, and that's a big win for LSU. This LSU team's just good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, we, we've, we've talked about them. They're, yeah, they're, they're not like, hey, we're going to beat a top 15 team good. But, yes, they've got potential. They've got guys that people just don't know a lot about. And, and yeah, Tulsa – I mean, we, we've talked a little about Tulsa before. Tulsa's a good team. For LSU to beat them 4-2, that, that's a really nice win for them. Has Auburn already played LSU this year? Because that's a fascinating match. I think they did. I think Auburn beat them early in the season at home. I'm looking it up on the schedule now. Mid, uh, LSU has played Auburn. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 5-2. Auburn beat them at home. I remember. I think we had that match. I mean, yeah. again, both those teams really solid. There's the depth on the ACC uh, on the SEC men's side. Every team can play. Um, and so it, it makes things really, really fun. All right, let's change conferences. Texas, 5-2 over Oklahoma. We haven't talked about the Longhorns in the while. Obviously, they got the big one with Baylor this weekend. It's a good win. Yeah, it, it's a good win. Oklahoma seems to have – they seem to have cooled off a little. Uh, I mean, we, we got a little really high on them after the 7-0 win over A&M. It's been a little mixed since then. But Texas is slowly but surely creeping back into that uh, – trying to make themselves look like a viable national championship team contender They're I still think they're on the outside looking in from that discussion, but this is a big weekend for them. Texas plays Georgia right now. Who would you pick? Texas. Yeah, exactly. Be honest with yourself. Um, all right. Stanford four, two over UCLA again, good loss Bruins. That's really all I have to say. And then yeah, UCLA, I mean, and then UCLA. By the way, four two, I believe, over Cal. That actually yeah, gonna, is just a great freaking win. So we'll say good UCLA win for the weekend. Yeah, starting to show some life. Yeah, uh, is is the the story of the weekend for UCLA. Well, we're going to talk about them in the week ahead as well. Utah, four over Washington, four over Oregon. That's an incredible weekend, and and like that is a legitimizing weekend for the Utes. Yeah, I mean, started out what I don't know, sixteen and zero. I'm not sure when they actually lost their first match to. I think it was Stanford. It was probably the first one, and then you know, and followed it up with another. And you know, oh, okay, so we all kind of knew it was coming, and there it goes. And then you probably expected at, at least some follow through, whether it was a one and one or an zero and two weekend. Certainly did not expect to see two and zero uh, against those teams, and especially four zero sweeps. Huge. Very impressive weekend uh, for Roland and, and the Utes. Mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee, 4-3 over Texas Tech. Who likes drama more, Middle Tennessee or Kentucky? Oh, I mean, geez, Middle Tennessee. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, you throw in the, if you throw in the coach, I'll go Middle Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Draxel gives. I mean, a, a drama off between Cedric and uh, Coach Borendame, that would be – yeah, that would be fun. I'm in. Um, <laughs> maybe Draxel versus Coach Borden. Then it's even. Cedric, not so much on the drama. Draxel, Borden, Dame. Ooh, that's a tough call. 
Middle Tennessee just needs to win everything. So by product of that, it's a good win. Uh, 6-1 first set, by the way, to Barbotzer. So Virginia looking good right now. VCU 4-0 over Cornell. Uh, USF 4-2 over Cornell. VCU 4-3 over USF. I mean, they're ultimately your winners of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, VCU we knew was, I mean, with the bird. There's up top. Uh, who I think they I think that matches this weekend. Liberty match. Uh, go Flames. So, uh, see you the, a couple good wins for the, my gifts from Coach Fisher. Uh, the uh, the USF. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, USF just, they're hanging in that range where, you know, they, they just can't, other than the, the big Columbia win, they can't quite get over that hump. Uh, you know, frankly, outside of the Columbia win, a little disappointing for them this year, uh, would, would like to see better, but yeah, VCU's starting to come on. Okay. I like it. All right. Tulane four, two over Tulsa best win of the season for Tulane brutal weekend for Tulsa. Yeah. Shocker. I mean, that's, that's the biggest shocker on the no, that's board. Wichita. That's Wichita. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely did not see Tulsa losing, losing to Tulane. That's a, that, that, that's a, I mean, obviously it's a good win for Tulane. It's a bad loss for Tulsa. Fair. Uh, Hawaii four, three over UCSB. I'm just saying uh, before Andre Illigan transfers to Wake Forest, let's get some wins at Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, UCSB, right? They're they're one of those schools that's got like the litany of trade. You just look down the roster, and they're all good guys that have transferred from other Power Five schools. Uh, it's uh, it's always a good team that you don't, you know, they're kind of flying under the radar. But uh, yeah, that that's a good good win, and we haven't seen a lot of Illigan since uh, you know, since the fall. Yeah, FAU four three over ODU four three over Liberty. I must have crushed you. Oh, I mean, look, I think I think Liberty was up 3-0, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Liberty had three matches this weekend. They sent they had like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that uh, that FAU match, yeah, that's, uh, you know, more chances blown for sure. Uh, but FAU played well. FAU, I'll, I'll say this as well, looking good for uh, for next season. They've got a, uh, at least one transfer from, from uh, you know, a, a school near and dear to me coming in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're looking good this year and they've got a bright future ahead of them. So good things happening down at FAU. Yeah. All right. Well, with all of that said, let's get to our rankings coming off of week 10 in the college tennis season. And we spent plenty of time talking about the race for the top 16. We've extended our crack rackets pulled to our top 16 teams. Let's play a game of cross-offs as we go through this. Right now for us, number 16, Pepperdine, which obviously they're in the hunt for a top 16 team. Do you think they can win a national championship? No chance. I would agree with you. Let's cross them off. 15 right now for us is Arizona, who, again, is outside of the top 16 via the rankings, as is Pepperdine, but we see them as a top 16 team. I would cross them off, although I do think they are very, very dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. I mean, that's a team that I think is dangerous from the perspective of they could win that match against a host in the in the round of 16 to make it to quarters but no they're not winning a national championship stanford 14 ah same almost the same story as arizona with 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 the you know the new new info that 
that Tristan Boyer is officially gone. No chance they're winning a national title. Ferries the flashier part, but I agree. Yeah, let's cross off Stanford, who again, our number four team. 13 USC, they're a year away. I think we cross them off. Yeah, they're not going to win a, a title this year. Very, very promising looking future for that team with the young guys. But yeah, they're they're a year away for sure. South Carolina could make the semifinals. They're our number 12 team. I don't think they can do it four times in a row. No, no answers at five and six. Not going to happen. Same with Georgia, who's our number 11 team. Respectfully, I know McCormick, uh, Stewart have looked better and better with every passing match. Unless Bride becomes 2019 Trent Bride, I just don't see that team winning. Yeah, that's that's the real problem. I mean, they some of these other teams like South Carolina, I say runs four, actually probably only three and a half because I don't I call Lambling a half deep. Georgia's actually got a solid five in Croyder, although he's looked vulnerable as of late, but he, you know, had been super solid. The questions for them were all around six. But then, you know, the the loss of confidence from Trent Bride sliding down to four and, and still not winning. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Trent Bride would have to return to the Trent Bride of old yeah. for them I to have I just don't any see chance. a lock in their lineup. I don't see a single lock. I think they can be no. competitive everywhere, but there are no locks, and so that's an issue. Right. Texas yep. at 10, I'm not crossing off. I don't care what you say. I refuse. I have eyes. I was in Seattle. This team's as good as anyone when they're healthy and playing their best. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind, kind of like I wanted to hang on to Stanford until we officially knew if Boyer was out. I would say that that's accurate with Texas. Like if, if, which it's not out of the question, you get a healthy Texas, they could win it. So 2-1 Virginia right now, by the way, Rodash 6-3 in the third over Hurrian. It's 5-4 Vonda Schulenberg, 5-4 Montez. So Virginia might take a 4-1 win. Do we cross off the loser of Virginia, Kentucky? Or are we going to leave Kentucky on? Because they have their five guys. Like we know, and you know, Mercer hasn't played yet against J- J- uh, JJ, uh, against Gianni Ross. But, like, again, you're looking at this Virginia match, three sets Draxel Montez, three sets Rodesh Hurrion, three sets Diallo Volander, Schulenberg. I know Getz won in straights, but Musatelli's been great at four. I think this is indicative of, like, the on the right, it's just going to be who plays better on any given day. And I think this result, if anything, proves Kentucky should still not be crossed off. Yeah, I'm not going to cross them off. I, I, I'll say I'll say even if – I still give Virginia the the – the bigger scale nod that even if Kentucky won, I'm absolutely not crossing off Virginia. I I wouldn't cross Kentucky off. I could see people making the argument to do so more so uh, than Virginia, but no, I, I, again, like I said before, I still think that uh, I still think that Kentucky's a very, very dangerous team, especially if they can find doubles like they did today. So, and it may not go their way today, but but they could they could absolutely do it. We'll cut out the Kent, but not the Ucky. We're not we're not crossing off Ucky. They're still alive. Wake, I just think Wake would have to win four three matches four times in a row, and I just don't think that happens. So that's why I would cross them off. It's like they can find three against anyone. It's just such thin margins for them to find four. Yeah, I. Yeah. I'm with you. I just think it's it's there's too there's too many unknowns and and they're super deep, but we always come back to yeah, but like one, two, three, can they really can they take two of those? I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I feel good about them getting one of those three, but I, I don't th- I don't think for 
for six matches in a row, they managed to make it all the way through somebody, you know, they're going to just run into somebody that they can't beat uh, when they're not having their best day. They need their best day from round of 16 on to beat everybody. So and that's four, that's four eight. matches. So we're going to cross off Wake Forest at number eight. Now, I think as we go through and we'll do this faster, Tennessee, we're leaving on. Yes or no? You can just yes or no these. I don't think yeah, we have to make on. the case. Virginia, leave on at six. TCU, leave on at five. Baylor at four. Ohio State at three. I'm assuming you're saying yes. I don't know. For some reason, I, I can't hear you, but I'm. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, yep. Leave, yeah. Leave, leave them on. Are you going to cross off Michigan just to break my heart or actually ah, make me feel better? Can't possibly do that. You're not going to cross. Will you please cross them off? I need someone to. I don't like this at all. We're, um, we're going we're gonna to jinx you, Gruskin. I mean, yeah. they're going to like lose round of 16 hosting or something. But no, they could win a title for sure. Vonderschulenberg knocks off Diallo in three sets. It's 3-1 Virginia. Montez up 6-5 and bots are that 6-1 first set at number five as well. Um, all right. With that in mind, yeah, Florida, let's cross them off. No, obviously Florida <laughs> not being crossed off at number one. That's where things stand. That's our top 16 rankings. And again, as we look towards the NCAA tournament, we'll continue to do that. Maybe we'll uncross some teams, uh, depending on some late runs. With all of that said, let's look at the week ahead as we look at week 11. And there are a bunch of fun matches on the schedule. I have five headliners for us. You pick one for us to break down. Baylor at Texas, fascinating. TCU at Baylor, we already discussed. Stanford's at Arizona. You've got Michigan at Northwestern, which we're going to have on our broadcast on Sunday. And Dalton Thieneman contractually obligated. I put that match in the headlines. Kentucky at South Carolina as well. Which of our headliners are you watching most closely? Well, for me, surely it's going to be Kentucky at South Carolina, uh, just because it's the SEC match. But uh I think outside of that, I want to see the TCU Baylor. Okay, part two. How do you do? I'm team Baylor at Texas because I'm waiting for Texas, who looked so good at the in, again in their first round win over Florida at the National Indoors. Can I see that again, please? Um, that's an interesting one. Arizona Stanford's just a pecking order match. I have no idea what's happening in the Pac-12 right now. It is just chaos out west. Everyone's pretty solid. I don't know if anyone's outstanding, but. That's an opportunity to see who's who. And again, playing at Arizona is just a really, really tough thing to do. But yeah, if Kentucky wants to prove they're a top eight team, they have to beat South Carolina. And to do it on the road is a really tough ask, but that is certainly a fascinating match. And assuming Kentucky drops this match to Virginia, which it looks like they're on pace to do right now, uh, becomes that much more of a prove it sort of moment uh, for this Kentucky team. Top 16 implications. NC State at Louisville at Notre Dame. Cal at Arizona, AM at Auburn. That AM Auburn one to me is really, really interesting. How good is Auburn? Get a win over AM. And I think that would be your best win of the season. Uh yeah, it's a it's a big weekend for Auburn. They get Mississippi State and AM, right? So yeah. that's you know, they they went into Ole Miss last weekend. They won at Ole Miss. They knew that set up a huge weekend for them here. Yeah, it'll be, you know. If they split the weekend, probably still okay. It'd be dis- kind of disastrous for them to go 0-2. If they come out of a weekend 2-0 and against State and A&M, they're for sure the real deal. And probably all of a sudden, you know, I haven't punched it in, but they would they would probably be in that discussion for uh, 
for top 16. In fact, I'm, I'm going to do that real quick and see uh, a couple wins for Auburn and ah, 23. So still not quite there, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they're they, that absolutely solidifies them as a real deal. If they could, if they could do that. No, they're on the precipice. And the other ones, okay. State at Oklahoma. I think that's a really fun pack, uh, big 12 match. I just want to see this Oklahoma state. How real is it? Princeton at Penn's fun, Wisconsin at Nebraska for the Big Ten nerds, Memphis at SMU. But then what I'm going to watch most closely, and I know this is beating a dead horse, UCLA at Washington, UCLA at Oregon. Do they win a match this weekend, Chris? UCLA? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 2-0? I mean, Washington's looking to bounce back. They just lost to Utah. Oregon, same. Washington's kind of – yeah, they've – they started out well and faded a little bit. Oregon just hasn't – they haven't put it up yet this year at all. Oregon uh, sometimes looks like a top 10 team. Then most of the time they look like an outside the top 70 team. Yeah, exactly. They can be outstanding or, or you know, yeah, it's a very up and down team. So I almost expect UCLA uh, to kind of to go in there and win. The Washington match, that that's an interesting one. Uh I don't know. I mean, because they're both road matches to say two and oh, that's tough. I'll say they go one and one. They find one of them, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they ought to win. They certainly ought to win one. It would be very disappointing uh, weekend for them to go. zero and two on the road at those two schools at Washington's a tough place to play. So again, that's just a result I'm keeping my eye on, but that's the week ahead. What do we have for you all on our crack brackets broadcast? Let's look first at our sec cross court cast, which of course happens tomorrow or Friday when listen to this on all of the team websites men's matches we've got for you chris we've got tennessee at arkansas auburn at mississippi state ole miss at georgia florida at lsu south carolina at bandy and then the nightcap alabama at texas a&m which of these should we be watching most closely i mean you're gonna say auburn at mississippi state just say it uh, yeah that's that that's the key magic look arkansas Arkansas beat Tennessee at Arkansas last year. That's not going to happen uh, at, at Tennessee this year. Uh, I, I think that's probably that's the key match. Really, is, is that Auburn Mississippi State a kick off the weekend for Auburn? Uh, both yeah. teams. I mean, look, Mississippi State's in bad need of some ranked wins. They've got you know, like I think may I'm not looking at it. Maybe four uh, decent wins, and then the rest over unranked teams. They're their tournament resume is in desperate need of uh, a couple point getting wins. And, and this would be a good one for them. So that, that's a big match on both sides. Yeah. Uh, I think the best match on our SEC schedule is unequivocally that top 10 battle between A&M and Auburn on the women's side at 6 PM, but plenty of fun action on Friday. And then on Sunday, let's go to our big 10 cast. I mentioned it earlier. We've got Michigan at Northwestern on the men's side. We've got Illinois at Michigan state, Purdue at Ohio state, Indiana at Penn state, plenty of good action again, across the board uh, on our cross court cast. And, you know, again, that action starts 11 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday for the Big Ten action. You can find that on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Again, for all the SEC action, you can find it on the team websites. With all of that said, there's your look at the past week in college tennis and the week ahead. Of course, a huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision for their continued support. You can learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to the show. A shout out to our friends at Turna as well. Join the Turna team today by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. 
With that said, Chris, I know people can learn more. You want to learn about the projected rankings. You want to see what your team needs to do to get to X spot. You can go to collegetennisranks.com today, play with the what-if calculator, play with the projected rankings. That in mind, anything else you got for us, Chris? I got one question, Gruskin. Okay. It's, re- it's Sunday. Sunday night? Okay. It, it's three all. And Presley's on, the on line? court. What are you doing? I'm trying to think. It really – so I'm glad you asked that question. Who, who is, is going to – who's the – uh, that's likely the four spot. Who's that's the four so it's probably Gavin Young, which is brutal because Gavin's a freshman and I have the least – Guy player. that you don't really know. That's so what you I'm have saying. So thank you. Like, for Presley. Like, <laughs> if it was Maloney, I would stab myself in the chest. I would be like, you're playing my guy, Pat, who I've known since he was a baby boy and is now this fully blossomed senior. And like, oh, that would kill me. You know what? Let's just hope it doesn't come to that. Let's just win easily. Let's and then and then Presley can win, but the team wins. Sorry, guys. Yeah, six one. Presley wins. Michigan wins six one. Exactly. You're and like, let's make it a three set win for Presley. Let's not make it too easy. Um, but no, I know Dalton to be there. I mean, God, he might have just fired me. Uh, oh, Draxel, 7-5 in third over Montez. All right, we play on. Lapidot's done it so frequently for this Virginia team. He'll have to earn a three-set win. Mercer versus Ross, some Midwest roots. That should be fun. Yeah, I would root for uh, – Presley versus Bickerseth would break my heart because I've known Bick since he was like six. Um Oh, God. Why'd you have to do that to me, Chris? Uh, yeah, we're just going to black out at that point <laughs> of the podcast. Just, just figured, you know, live, I'd have to put you on the spot for that. Well, that's where we but get canceled yeah. because inevitably I'll swear at something that happens if it's three all in that <laughs> scenario. So with all of that said, for our fa- – oh, by the way, shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff who will be on the production, who will be rooting hard for the Northwestern Wildcats and – as always, makes all the things we do here possible. With all that said, for my fantastic co-host, Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turner, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. You almost said that's the break, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 